is the Photographer's Revolution Podcast, and I am your host, Dana Pugh. Okay, I am super excited today to be with just a groundbreaking photographer, really, and I'm sure she probably doesn't like being called that. <laughs> But she really has made huge changes to the family photography industry, and she has led the way. And so I'm super excited to talk to Kirsten Lewis. Hello, Kirsten. Hello, Dana. Hi, <laughs> how are you? And yes, it does make me feel very awkward <laughs> when you use the word groundbreaking in my name in the same sentence. <laughs> it makes everybody feel awkward, but but it's true. Like you and I... I really have started to be in this place where I want women to start to stand up and say, I'm fucking awesome and look at the impact that I've had. And you have had such a huge impact on the family photography world. And I think it's important to just own that and live in it. And But we're not really here today to talk about your work, which is no. odd. But... <laughs> And I, I'm like, I hope people aren't too disappointed, but we're going to talk about your life a bit more. And, and the reason why um, I asked you to come speak, aside from being an amazing photographer, is because um, right before New Year's, you posted an incredibly vulnerable Facebook post. And I wanted to have the opportunity to talk to you about it in a real way. So I'm okay. super grateful for you to come here and have the vulnerability to share it with everybody. But I'm first, for starters, I'm just going to share Kirsten's Facebook post. So I'm going to read it and, okay. uh, and then we'll chat about it. So Kirsten posted a photograph. Um, I will post it in the notes of the podcast or a link to it in the notes. And uh, she said, this is me. Well, not actually me, but me seeing me in my subjects. This is the most important picture I made this year, and it happened on a Monday afternoon in Annapolis, Maryland, photographing a family. I had no intentions of seeking it or making it, but it just, it has been trapped inside of me for the last year. The irony that I am posting this just two days before 2018's end does not escape me. I owe the world, at least the world in which I find myself a part of, an apology. I have fallen short in every aspect of my life this year, my family, friends, students, clients. I made a fatal error in believing that I should strive for life-work balance rather than put myself and my own family first. I could have everyone in my life come in a huge second-place tie. That each and every person whom I care about deserves 100% just at different times during the day. And I have made a series of terrible decisions that I perceive to be unselfish but in the end imploded. I am only one person. I have the exact life I have because of a series of choices that I myself have made. I now see that I must take ownership of my place in the lake. I am drowning because I am too exhausted to tread water any longer. I am alone because I thought independence and success meant isolation. I cannot see all of my family, friends, students, and clients at the photo finish because I haven't loved myself enough to even put on proper running shoes. With this acceptance of responsibility for my life and my shortcomings come clarity and power to make change. I'm no longer I'm oh I'm no longer seeking work life balance. I don't want my husband and daughter's importance to weigh the same as my career. I am working towards a proper imbalance that makes them and myself a priority 
giving me all the strength I need to care for everyone and everything else successfully. We must always be the heavier load on the seesaw, the base, the foundation. Together we can lift anything, but with the option to step, step off at any time. If the weight is too much to carry, a place where I can say no and not feel guilt in doing so. Most importantly, to draw a circle in the sand around us three and learn how important that boundary is to our survival. So, wow. <laughs> <laughs> what does it feel like hearing it now, a couple weeks later, read back? What are your thoughts? As a writer, I'm like, oh, I could have written that better. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, accurate, still. Yeah. Uh, relevant, still. Yeah. You know, just because you decide change needs to be made, it doesn't happen overnight. And no. there's still the same arguments at home, and there's still the same struggles. But I am actively trying to make a difference because if I don't everything that I have I'm going to lose yeah that's the honest truth yeah I I think it's so important to just sort of like realize that and just realizing that then makes you go wait a minute I've been defining success all wrong Uh right and my success for me and and I feel like I've been there and I've been married or I've been with my husband for 22 years so anybody who's been with somebody for any length of time you know you get to these places where you're like okay I have to make a decision and uh, I have to make some changes so that I'm the priority so that my family's the priority and so I think it's great that you're recognizing that can you tell me a little bit about how you got here um I was born on a Tuesday. (laughs) I really was born on a Tuesday. Um, So this really starts because I'm the sole wage earner for my family. When my husband and I have been together for almost six years, when we first started dating, that's when I was traveling a lot for work and I decided to move to Colorado and he moved with me. And I recognized that I was, it was getting to a point where at that, at that time I was on the road about 150 days a year. And it's really hard to maintain a relationship when you're on the road half of the year. And so I was like, why don't you just work with me and we'll travel and you'll just, you'll be my assistant. You'll um, do all the, all my emails and all that stuff, scheduling. Okay. So then we learned that we cannot work together or we will end up not Mr. and Mrs. Bethman. So... (laughs) Oh my gosh. I, I'll, t- I once had my husband, I, I, my husband used to be like my tech support guy cause he's yeah. an engineer. He's very good at that. And yeah. one, he will tell you that the closest we've ever come to divorce is the day that I bought a brand new fancy monitor and we uh-huh. spent three days trying to calibrate it. And I was like, so angry, like, no, this isn't working. And he says, that's the closest we've come to divorce. But that was the moment when we realized I need a real tech support guy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. For us, um, my husband has a sm- slight issue with authority and <laughs> I have a slight issue with, um, employees that have an issue with authority. <laughs> <laughs> um, so that just didn't work. So, right. so that now we're married, right. And we're, I'm getting ready to have a baby and Bertie comes. I'm still the, the the sole breadwinner, like the, the only breadwinner. And, um, it's more expensive to have like full-time childcare or have a nanny come with me than it is for Greg to just stay home 
and care for Birdie. So that was a decision collectively we made. And it's like my own personal hell that I've created. It's not my husband's fault, but there is a certain amount of frustration that or frustration and expectation and pressure you put on yourself when you are the only one responsible for bringing in money to take care of now, not just me and my husband, but my daughter. Right. Um, so there was that for, so my daughter's two and a half. So that started to build and they say it always happens the way the more success you find professionally, it seems like the more it can affect your life personally. Totally. So, so that really like when Birdie was born, that is when I found my career really was going in a, in a direction way faster than I was prepared for. Like to catch up, I would have had to put on roller skates and hold on for dear life. Like it was just going way faster than I had prepared or planned. And I just got behind. And this year I was so scared. This, this is a new year, 2019, 2018. I was so scared that I was not going to make the money that I needed to, to take care of our family that I basically was like, I'll take everything and I'll just, I can, I can handle everything. I've got two employees that are doing all the back end. It'll be totally fine. And all of that was like the worst micromanaging of myself that I've ever experienced. I mean, I just, my husband, I was falling short with my husband, my daughter constantly like, please don't go to work. Um, crying, missing me, my husband reminding me that I'm never home. Um, or I'm home. I work downstairs, right, if I'm home, but I work all day, so she doesn't get to see me all day. And then things, like, go wrong in, in the office or deadlines aren't met or things are accidentally overlooked because I don't have enough time to manage my own employees, so I'm expecting them to manage themselves, which I've now learned I'm a piss poor <laughs> boss. Like <laughs> I basically had to tell one of my employees, Molly, like, I need you to be my boss. Right. Like I, I'm the worst boss. So I need you to be my boss and you need to, you need to remind me that I have appointments. You need to tell me when I need to get things done. And when I'm pissed off with you, I'm not really pissed off with you and just keep loving me unconditionally. <laughs> I, I'm, I need you in my life to do this. I actually need you in my life to piss me off because it, in the end, I'm just pissed off with myself. Um, and granted, like I, I had a hundred students last year Yeah. and I get so personally invested with my students. I'm not the, I'm not the average teacher that can just, especially in this industry that can, you know, give you a bunch of curriculum be like peace out like this was like a year-long program I really invested emotionally in in the progress of all my students but with that comes I so fully extended I just I get an email and I'm just in tears because I can't get to it and then I feel guilty about it and then then my husband's mad and so I'm like can I swear I don't even know yes you can totally swear okay so so honestly I'm like fuck it the students don't matter that much right and then and so I'm like attended to my husband and my daughter for a day. And then my students get mad. And then I'm freaking out because I need to take care of them because at the end of the day, this is income as well. And if they're unhappy, then we have no income. And then we're going to live in a, live in a, you know, a one bedroom and then I'm going to kill my husband. And then. Like, right. You know, right. Um, like the just never ending spiral. No, it was never. ending. I have friends that literally won't talk to me. 
Right. Friends that have been my friends for 20 years because they just think that I don't care about them because I've always been so good about staying in contact. I'm like the girl that remembers my ex-boyfriend's birthday who I dated 20 years ago. Like right. I, I used to be able to remember everyone's birthdays. I didn't need flipping Facebook to tell me whose birthday it was. I just knew by the date. I, I'm the one that would like reach out to all my friends from afar at least once a month and catch up. And these days, if the phone rings, I turn into a shell of myself and I don't even want to answer the phone because right. I know someone's mad at me. Right. And on top of it, I owe the government $36,000 just from taxes. Right. And so that's just, I just kind of plummeted. Right. That's what you, happened. One, any person would. Any person uh, would. Like, you're not alone. And I think the difference between you and, like, a lot of photographers who are, say, the $500, I always say the $500 photographer, but the low-end photographer the only difference is you're making more money, you know, and yeah. you do have more demand, but I think so many entrepreneurs, they just overschedule themselves. They think I can do this. They underestimate or they, yeah, they underestimate exactly how much time a task is going to take. And so yes. when you, when you take on so many tasks, whatever the tasks are, it's, yeah, it's just a huge catastrophe and then I just feel like a big failure right? right I'm failing everyone like I just don't even want to see anybody because I know that I've let you down in some way right? right like I feel like I have to send individual letters of apology to everyone that I love and care about and say I'm sorry I'm an asshole it wasn't intentional yeah. I just don't even know I have literally forgotten my middle name before in the last year because I'm so overwhelmed I can't keep everything in my head anymore um and so I just, I looked at Molly, my assistant, I looked at my husband and I said, I have, something has to change or I'm going to end up divorced. I'll probably end up losing my daughter. I'm going to lose my business and I'll probably end up severely depressed and medicated. I mean, right. I, that's the honest truth. Right. I know. And I think, so, so, uh, I have my own ideas about what I think your first step would be. What do you, what do you think your first step should be? Like, I know that you, I know a few things you've done already, but like, where, what's the foundation going forward? Well, this was eye opening. Yeah. Mo and no, no, you may not steal Molly from me. All of you out there, you find your own <laughs> Molly belongs to you. Molly belongs to me. I'll pay her a hundred an hour before I let anyone take her away from me. Like, yeah. She runs my business. So Molly just kept on my ass. She's like, I'm coming over and we are scheduling out 2019. This was right before Christmas, I think. Maybe right after Christmas. And so she came over and we 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 put out all the all the um sessions I'd already made. Like like I'd already had contracts for sessions. So we were already up to 20 sessions, full day in the lives, which are all out of town. Yeah. And I normally take around 25. But yeah. I've never done this before. So we knew I had to have space for 20 day in the lives out of town. So that requires three days, a day of travel, a day of shooting, and another day of travel. Um, I have two long-term, uh, year-long programs again this year. But this year I decided only 30 students per class. In one class, all the content has already been built, which is amazing, right? So I only, now I know I only have to deal with emails, the forum, and the critiques every month. So that's great. 
and then I have the new class. So we just filled out my calendar for the year, knowing how many how many days I, and hours I needed available for critique, for roundtables, for bonus sessions, for interviews, um, for shoots, for travel days. Uh, we told, we agreed, I will have at least two days off a week. Yeah. And if there's a stretch of five days or seven days where I have to work um, because I'm doing a workshop, then I get four days off after that to put make my family, myself a priority. Right. Um, I also scheduled vacation time where I'm not working, where there's no work allowed. I've, I have never done that. Every time I'm yeah. on vacation, I'm checking emails. I'm trying to do critique from like Antigua. Like, yeah, <laughs> I'm sure I'll find good internet there. Jesus. So, um, we put all that out there and I looked at Molly and I was like, I'm sold out. Like, yeah. I cannot take any more work. Yeah. It's the first time I've ever done that. And so I prioritize me and my students and in the, in the contracts I already had. And then I looked at the calendar. I was like, there's no more space. Yeah. And if I had not done that, if Molly had not made me do that, I would find myself in the exact same position that I was at the end of the year, just sooner. Yeah. Uh, it was, it was eye opening. Yeah. Oh no, I believe it. I, I remember for, for me on a much smaller scale, when my kids were little, like the whole point of my business started out as I wanted to be home for my kids and I didn't want to have to put them in childcare. Yeah. And so by not putting them into childcare, it meant I was working during nap time and it meant that Bob would, sometimes I'd have to work when they were playing and oftentimes that was chaotic and horrible. And I never, I felt a whole lot of guilt about not being able to really be present for them because they'd be like, mommy, mommy. And I'd be like, just not now, just not now I'm doing this one thing. And, and then Bob would come home from work. We would have dinner together as a family, maybe, maybe not. And I would go off and work until midnight or one o'clock. And I know there's so many people that do that. And then every weekend I was working. And then even as much as like my kids then start going to school and they get older and I should have stopped and went, oh, I don't need to work evenings and weekends yeah. anymore, right? Every, all the time to get stuff done. I have the days. I was just in the habit of running our life that way, including like during the day. Now when I had free time, I would go do the grocery shopping. I would take care of the laundry. I'd do all the things that I'd normally been doing when I had my kids at home. And it was like this light bulb moment of realizing that I wasn't attending to my marriage Really? Like my kids, I never, I tried really hard not to let them suffer. And, but my marriage really suffered. And I was like, okay, wait a minute. I have to book weekends off. Like I have to have some weekends off during the year. I have to not work after six o'clock, like five or six o'clock. If, if I have to stop and drive my kids somewhere, which this is the point in my life I'm at now. So say I miss like an hour and a half during the day because I had to drive somebody somewhere. I try to make it up. Either I'll make it up on the weekend or I'll make it up one evening a week. And I don't mind working a little bit in the evenings and weekends if it means I have the freedom in the job that I have, but I don't want to give up my entire life. And the same, like the summers, and you know, because for a long time you were a wedding photographer, I'm not a wedding photographer, but summers are busy for photographers 
And that's my busiest season, as even with Day in the Life. So that's yeah. when everyone wants their Day in the Life. So I have no life in the summer at all. Right. And I was finding that, like, every weekend in the summer, I had to, if we were going to take a holiday, I had to book it so far in advance. And now we just got in the habit of saying, like, every August, I take August off. I check my yeah. emails every, once a day, I check my emails on vacation. I try. Sometimes I miss a day. But I do not get stressed out about it anymore. I'm like, people can wait. I think we get in this habit of thinking, like, people are in a rush for things. People can wait. Our clients can yep. wait. Our family is yep. more important. If you start to struggle and count your time, or start to schedule and count your time, you realize, I've already worked 40 hours this week. It's too bad. If I was in a regular job, it would have to be put off. I would just put it off. But because I'm working for myself, I don't put it off. And so I've just gotten into the habit of putting stuff off and being yeah. like, and trying not to over schedule and keep my, for me, I don't want to be, I don't want to be busier than I am. I kind of like how busy I am. In fact, yeah. this fall for me was total shit show, if I'm honest. And I overscheduled myself and I'm kicking myself and making all sorts of changes so it doesn't happen next fall because I don't like being like that. No, it's not fun. No. Um, yeah, I even scheduled uh, email and yeah. uh, checking the forum like once a week. Yeah. Because here's uh, Ryan Brenizer. Do you know his name? Oh, like, yeah, you know? I've seen him speak. Yeah. Yeah. He doesn't know this. Maybe he does. <laughs> Something he said really changed my business life forever. It was like four years ago, five years ago, maybe. Um, at a mystic conference and he talked about how he changed his life, his schedule of his life. And he was never a morning person. He became a morning person. He was most productive in the morning. And he said, my life is too short to do things I don't like doing. Right. So if there's things I don't like doing, I'm going to hire someone to do it for me, yeah. to do it better than me so I can make more money and it leaves more time for me to do the things I like to do. And I was like, Ugh. yeah, Yes. So that's when I really started outsourcing. Yeah. And that's when I first got an assistant. And I just decided I really hate email. I also really hate talking on the phone, um, but I really hate email. So I have two people that I trust to check all my emails and they filter everything out. They answer all the questions I don't necessarily need to answer personally and anything I absolutely need to personally attend to gets put in a box and now I just look at that once a week because yeah. I don't like doing email yeah it's overwhelming for me I'm like sure if, you must get a ton of email I probably get 10 to 20 new Facebook messages a day and yeah. those get buried like yeah. I don't I can't I don't know about email I don't know between me Molly and Jess with my business we probably get 100 emails a day is my yeah. guess but just that need to be attended to right so that's insane <laughs> Now I'm so bad at email. It. I get so fewer than you, so fewer emails than you. <laughs> I'm feeling bad. I, 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 um, but I've thought about hiring an assistant and I have at times had an assistant. Um, and now again, just this year after this fall, I was like, I need an assistant and I need to feel more comfortable outsourcing my editing. I've never felt yeah. super comfortable doing that. It's never really worked for me, but that's it. Like it has to be something that gets solidified. So I don't have to do it. Yeah. I outsource my, um, all my post-processing, like the larger collection of photos that I deliver, the ones that are my favorite that go in the slideshow. I do post-process those. And I'm in the process of, um, training Molly to possibly edit down or call my sessions. Right. Because I, 
just can't keep up with that either. Yeah. So we're doing some test runs now to see if how well she does. And if we're pretty on on target for what she sees and what I sees, because I well, I sees, geez. yeah, it's okay. What I see, <laughs> if it's pretty similar what we've called down, then I'm going to start paying her to do it. Yeah, I know. In fact, I think Jenna, our like, we have a mutual friend named Jenna Schuldice, and yeah. I was talking she to Jenna. It. Yeah, she outsources oh, yeah. her calling, and I was like, holy crap! Yeah. I didn't think that was possible, and I still sort of wonder, but I probably. Part of me feels like I should probably do that too, <laughs> but yeah. But at a certain point for like, for you, it's easier because you probably have a larger revenue than most people, but for a lot of people, it's hard to outsource that stuff. And it's, you but, have to get to the point where your revenue is like at a point where you're like, okay, well I'm paying myself good and I don't yeah. want, I just need to get rid of something I hate. And so yeah, like, yeah. what do I hate? You know? And even, even like in your household, what do you hate in your household? And anybody, oh, God. Oh, housekeeper. Yeah. I have a I housekeeper. Hate the stove. Oh I hate cleaning the toilets. I oh God. Yes. It, all of it. Like just hire someone to do it for you. We had a housekeeper for a long time. We haven't since we moved in, but we, we just discussed my husband and I just discussed us getting someone even just every other week. It's a hundred oh, bucks yeah. every other. Week. Yeah. That's what we pay exactly a hundred dollars every other week. And it forces you to keep your house tidy a bit. Cause they come in and yeah. you, it has to be ready for them to clean. Or they yeah. can't clean. And I know I've been talking to friends who, like, hire stay-at-home moms to come in and, like, do their grocery shopping and do their laundry. I hate laundry, too. Although my husband does a lot of the laundry. But, you know, we've sort of gotten to the point where we're like, why are we doing this? There's all yeah. these things that you could actually pay somebody minimum wage or just slightly more than minimum wage to do. And yes. they would be happy to do it. And you don't have to do it. And it frees up so much time. Yeah. Yeah. I just... Um, I don't know. Do you know Erin Tolle? Do you follow her? Oh, no, I don't. She's a newborn photographer. Um, I met her. Uh, hey, Erin, if you ever hear this. <laughs> <laughs> uh, she probably won't. And I, we're so different in terms of, like, what we shoot. Um, but uh, I met her in Argentina. We both spoke at a – was it Argentina? No, it was Brazil. We both spoke at a conference together. And I follow her now because she is, has the most incredible home house. Uh, she has an Instagram account. It's, like, all bohemian – she must own like 200 plants and I just love her house. And she literally just posted something about why break your back and your time trying to put together Ikea furniture or hang a, um, like a, a shelving unit. She's like, you can go on, on Craigslist and find people that need the money to do it for like 25 bucks. They'll come over, they'll hang that stuff for you. And yeah. then it's $25 and it's done. And it's like things that you don't have time to do. Yeah. Um, I, it is true. Even those that those whose budget is a little bit tighter, because I have a lot of expense to run my company. It's not like I'm, I am not swimming. Oh yeah, yeah. No, I know. But I've I've figured out how to efficiently with the money coming in. I'm okay with it going out. You know, I I'm okay with with spending the money, and I make more money because I have other people doing work for me because more people are happy. It frees up my time. And then I'm able to do other things that I do well. Yeah. I don't do a whole lot of things. Well, I don't <laughs> do a whole lot of things that I like, but I do love teaching and I love shooting. And that's about it. Right. In terms of the business. I like the teaching part and the shooting part, everything else about it. I'm not a big fan of. Right. So I'm kind of with you, but I, I don't have the, I don't have the income to let go. I don't have the revenue to let go of as much as you, but I am at the point where 
Like, and I think that, I think for everybody, there's a different place. You get to this threshold, you know, I'm at the threshold where it's like, okay, I'm tired of doing, of being overworked. I can't be overworked anymore. Like there's no room, there's no room for personal work. There hasn't been room for personal work for me in a very long time outside of the month of August. And I need more than the month of August. And you know, it's so funny because I look at like other people and I'm like, how come that person's fine how come that person can fit that in? How come that person can fit that in? And I, and, and I, you, I had to just let go of that and go, oh, well, this is me. I can't work as much as some, uh, some people can work. I just, I don't know how. I saw one girl on Instagram sort of celebrating the fact that she did 200 sessions last year. And it was oh like this, I know. <laughs> I was like, oh my God, I would never celebrate that. I would just literally never celebrate. I would be crying on the floor in a ball. Like, I can't work like that. I don't know how some people can do it. Here's a little tip for those that actually don't have the budget to outsource. There are very eager photographers out there, whether they're college students or people just getting into weddings or or, um, family work in your area that just want the experience, who will totally come work as an intern for you as long as like once a week or so maybe you give them a critique or you just let them watch as on a shoot or what have you there's always the opportunity to get an intern and in the beginning I worked with an intern when I didn't have the the finances so that's just a little tip for people out there yeah for sure I've I've had an intern too and I've had I also like where I live the college actually requires the, the college that teaches photography requires the students to get I think 30 hours working with other another photographer and so I've had students and they always come in like they need it before April so like usually I get called in January and And they're like I need 30 hours before 30 hours in in the next 64 hours what can you do what do you got for me what do you got it's like oh yeah in my slow time I have tons tons for you to do oh god that's funny but like I I I even, I had to do this like underwater shoot once for a class and I just had, I had my intern come and like hold stuff for me, make sure that the model was okay. You know, she, she was there for school and mm-hmm. it was perfectly fine. She loved watching and like learning. She, and I just was like, ask whatever questions you want because yep. I, I'm an open book, just like you, you're an open book. If I have yep. an intern, I'll share whatever I can. I usually share too much in yeah. like... Me too. It goes from like, here's what directional light is to, you know, tampon really works best for me. (laughs) You totally are like that. (laughs) Because I remember being kind of shocked about that, about you. And particularly like Jenna's like that too. And I, she shot, that shocked me about Jenna. Because she's so Canadian. I know. Everyone thinks she's like this quiet, demure, little innocent thing. (laughs) That is so far from the truth. I know, but yeah, I mean, I'll, I'll share anything. I, I came from a family of sharers, right? Like right. nothing was off the table. And so it's unavoidable for me. We just talk about everything in my family. <laughs> so I, I have no problem sharing. Yeah. And I, this leads into something that was the other debilitating part of my last two years. And that is, I do share a lot. And when Listen, I had no intention of being the public eye. When I was younger, I was like, I would love to be a writer because then everyone would really appreciate 
like what I had to say, like what I, what I had to give or put out there, my talent, and no one ever had to know who I was. Um, it was just an opportunity that, that presented itself and we needed the money really bad. And I was scared. I had turned down creative live many times. Um, and then finally I was like, okay, I'll do it. And I had no expectations of how that was going to change my life at all. I remember walking in and seeing Arlene and being like, so I'm really sorry. I feel like maybe 30 people are going to watch and half of them I'm related to. And I remember her saying, Kirsten, we have 10,000 people that are pre-registered for your class. Yeah. And, and then I got really nervous. Um, not about what, I wasn't even thinking about what happened later. It was just 10,000 people are going to watch me. Like that was not expected. I, I had no expectations like that, but we need, we needed the money. And so I did the class and, and, and I was myself as I always have been. I don't know how to not be myself. And that is being honest and vulnerable and talking about mistakes I made in my life and making jokes and making fun of myself because my, my survival mechanism is to, is to find the humor or, or the funny story in things that are very, sometimes very personal and emotional for me. And the feedback for the first class was amazing. And then the feedback, and then I went and did the second class and my husband and I had been struggling with infertility. Um, not with getting pregnant. Like my husband could sneeze in the kitchen and somehow semen would fly out of his body. I'd be in the living room and I was pregnant. Yeah. Like, I don't know how that happened, but like, I, you know, the doctors are like, you know, you're in your late thirties. It might take a really long time. And the first time we like tried, um, I got pregnant, but we had trouble keeping the baby. Right. Um, I had five miscarriages. Oh my. And so when I went on Creative Live the second time, I needed to give different content um, than I had given the first. And I felt like the first class was like very basic introduction and documentary family. So the second one, and I had been teaching for a while at that point, my, my focus was on finding what it is in your life that's happened in your life, your upbringing, that has defined who you are as a photographer, how you see the world, make those connections that most people don't realize, like fundamentally your childhood has a huge major profound impact on your adulthood and if you are able to recognize that it's going to be really hard to connect as a storyteller with your own point of view so my whole point of being a lot more vulnerable in my second class was that I can't just ask people to be vulnerable I can't ask people to do that without setting an example so I was very honest about some issues in my life and how I've used photography to heal some of those, how I've used photography to identify some of those, how to move forward. And I talked about my miscarriages and the public criticism I got from that was, I don't want to say permanently damaging, but it was very difficult. Um, And, and as I've grown an audience, I guess, um, people can be very mean. Yeah, and oh, yeah. very presumptuous and very unkind and they feel like they know you and they feel like they can say whatever they want about you with a with a with no sense of empathy whatsoever and just assume eh, it's not gonna bother her what who the fuck is she like she's oh she's famous which i'm not it's the most ridiculous thing ever but right. it was it has been awful for me 
this last year because I am not built for that kind of criticism. I try and be kind to everybody. My whole approach with all of whatever notoriety I've gotten is that I'm approachable. I'm going to be gracious and lovely to everyone. I'll try to get back to as many people as I can. Um, I don't judge. I try not to ever judge people publicly or privately. Um, I never bash another photographer or human for that matter. Unless it's Trump. I'm sorry. Yeah. Well, um, he deserves but it. <laughs> I, I don't even bash him. So some of the things that have been said about yeah. me to me on, on social media, public groups, private groups being attacked. Um, it's, it near killed me. Like yeah. I just makes me want to retreat and not ever teach, not ever shoot, go work at the, optical department target like i just i it it makes me scared um it makes me question myself and my integrity like am i really not a good person like i try to make good choices but like some people are seeing i'm not a good person and like that noise and this is my error i wasn't responding to that well i wasn't prepared for that and so i was really letting that permeate inside of me in my head inside of it's kind of cliche but my heart but it's true and many nights I've just been in tears because I just want to be a good person for everybody. Right. And um, it was, it's been really hard. And I'm not trying to make a sob story, but I'm telling you that was the other component of everything that has come together. So, like, feeling like I'm an asshole and that I'm letting everyone down. And what it's not true, but what's seeming like, who cares? Like, the whole public hates me anyway. So, like, right. I'm, like I'm, I'm nothing, right? right? It, like, just brought me down to nothing. I think so I've done a lot I've done a lot of um reading and listening to books about not empowerment but like you have to drown out that noise. Brene Brown is great and so I've been listening to a lot of her. Um I'm not going to make everyone happy. Not everyone's going to like me. Right. And a lot of people are just going to presume things about me that just simply aren't true, but what does it really matter? At the end of the day like it should I shouldn't let that affect my life. And I think this happens to everybody, regardless of what kind of presence you have in the public, like social media has changed everything. Totally. And I see people so unkind to one another when they don't agree on something or they just, they pass people off or like they go to the attack really fast and it is, it is damaging. Yeah. So that was the other component of my, my year. If I'm being very vulnerable. Yeah. Well, I, I am sorry. I didn't know. I actually didn't watch your creative life. Just, I honestly never watched a creative life. That's fine. <laughs> oh, like one you of the few watch people. Life. I know. <laughs> I've never watched one, but I knew you did one, but I did not know that. But I remember like way back. And I do think what people don't, I think people don't think when they say things like they might have a criticism and they think, like you said, Oh, how are they ever going to hear it? They won't know. This isn't going to affect them or Somehow they feel like their criticism is more important than your feelings. Um, I don't know, because I remember like way, 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 way back when I first started, one of the first conferences I went to or workshops that I went to was called the Secret Workshop. And it was taught oh, by Cheryl. Are you allowed to talk about it? Oh, yeah, I think so. Oh, yeah, it was, t- it was secret. Yeah. <laughs> the secret was there was no secret. Anyway. Um, <laughs> Uh, and it was like Jinky, who's, whose name is Barb, and Cheryl Muir. And Cheryl had just had a baby. 
and she she had a workshop where she walked people through her process and she like everything she was so kind gave so much information and during the workshop she breastfed her baby like her bre- her baby was losing her mind and her husband brought the baby over there were 40 people in the room 40 attendees one man 39 women and she breastfed while she taught which for me as somebody who also breastfed who believes in breastfeeding who thinks breastfeeding is beautiful I was like so impressed like I was like yeah go woman yeah like I love this and of course she breastfed her baby I mean her baby was crying but the fallout that came from that afterwards oh my god and I couldn't believe it I was like how was I at a con at a workshop having this totally insulated experience and everybody else not everybody else but there was like four or five women who were incredibly insulted that she did this and they went public online and totally bashed her and I was like aren't we all women aren't we all working mothers who like should be supporting this woman who just gave you a ton of advice for your business. Like, Oh my God, she took 20 minutes to breastfeed her baby. Like get over yourselves. And it was insane. And so I've seen it like through the course of my career, I've seen people be totally brutal and I've had it too. I've had a couple of moments. Like I, there, there was a really terrible moment for me, which I'm actually not allowed to talk about, but But I will say that, um, you know, I, I was getting, I got some of the information about it while I was driving and, um, which was bad. And I, and I was really close to my friend Gabe's house and I literally drove to Gabe's house and he opened the door and I just started bawling. I was like, I need help. Like, I don't know, why are people saying these awful things about me? <laughs> and he was like, oh my God, screw them, you know? But it was, that's why it's like so great to have friends in the, the industry who know you, who know what you're going through, who know you as a person and understand your heart. And to, um, yeah, I don't know. And to remember too, we all need to remember that behind the business, behind the Instagram feed and the Facebook profile there's a real person I've tried with my brand yeah my brand is me yeah it's not facade like yeah it's not just some service like I I go beyond that I try at least and I've, I've tried I've tried over the years to be as humble and as gracious and as vulnerable and honest as I can to let people know, like, I'm no different than anybody else. The only difference is that more people know about my work. And that is just a matter of an opportunity presenting itself to me. And that's it. That's that's the only difference. Um, And I'm so gracious or or grateful that anyone would want to learn from me or work for me. And I don't take that lightly. Like that is like, it means a lot to me that people would like to learn from me. So and, I, and think, I have, and Dana, I have no problem saying I'm a good teacher. I am a yeah. good teacher. Yeah. And I know that too, like about myself and that, and for me as a teacher, I've been teaching for four years now. And, uh, the last year things really, really ramped up for me. And part of my problem and part of the reason why I went so off the rails 
last year is because I was so willing to share everything I want to share. I literally want to help people. I really do. It comes from like an authentic, real place. But at the same time, like sort of realizing that sometimes I can't help people and I have to help myself first and my life has to be on track and good. And some people are going to be pissed off because I'm not going to have the space for them. I'm not going to have the time for them. And that's okay. And just like being okay with boundaries. Yeah. Yes. So uh, anyone listening, who are the three people listening? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Greg, I love you. You know, Um, mom, thanks mom. My mom listens to all my podcasts. Oh, oh. hi Dana's mom. Um, I have reached out to Dana to be like, I need help. And before we haven't even had a real meeting yet, but like you said, boundaries, like the first thing I need you to do is start setting some boundaries because I don't have any, like I'm bad. Yeah. I was bad too. And then I went to therapy because you know, I, my life was falling apart for, for, I was overworked. I, all sorts of other reasons too. Um, and I was like, Oh my God, I really have zero boundaries. I just let people, I just do whatever everybody wants of me. And so of course it's not going well for me because there's been no question of like, what do I want? How do I want this to work out? You know, why am I building this business? If I'm building a business, there's gotta be something for me at the end of the day. And it can't just be the work, which I enjoy, but not always, but sometimes mostly enjoy, you know, and that it can't also be just making everybody else happy. Like those can't be the things that I get from my business, money, making people happy and the work. Like at the end of the day, there has to be room for me to go to Italy with my family in August. You know, there has to be these moments. My son graduates next year in 2020. And I am here to tell you it, I cannot even fathom how quick it went. And I know everybody says that, but it's so true. They are gone before you know it. This is the most incredible time of your life. Do not throw it away so other people can have amazing family photos. Yes. Yeah. You only get 18 years. You only get 18. That's it. I mean, you can get more than that. If you're lucky. Here's the thing. If you're lucky, you get 18 years. Yeah. There is no guarantee. Yeah. And I know that every day with Bernie. I'm reminded that of all these amazing families I've worked with over the years where my heart breaks when they lose a child. Um, there are or no guarantees I have her and there's no guarantee she has me yeah. Yeah. for a certain amount of time. And that's been on top of all this, I've had some health stuff that have been, it's been very scary. Now it looks like it's going to be fine, but I mean, I was out getting life insurance. I was freaking yeah. out. What if, you know, what if I die next year? My daughter, like, doesn't have me anymore and what am I doing I'm like spending all my time for everybody else and she's not even gonna remember me right right it's true some people are like oh 18 years it's only 18 years if you're lucky that's right and then then you hope that they have a a life until they live to be 80 but again or 90 or 100 but there is no guarantee at all for anybody so yeah um prioritizing what really is important is important it is At the end of the day, it's like when you sit down to define your own version of success, like what is it that you want from your business financially? Yes, but also other in other ways, you know, I want to be able to do carpool for my kids. That sounds insane to some people, but I love like teenagers only talk to you in the car. 
I want to be the one who's driving them around so they talk to me and I make space for that. And so, you know, on on Saturdays at one o'clock, I'm busy. I'm doing carpool and it's too bad. You know, like I can't shoot then. Like that's just the reality. Yeah. 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 Having boundaries. And then on top of everything, it's, um, it's this social expectation of appearing perfect. Right. And that's for anyone. Yeah. And that's really what my work, I hope, you know, on a grander scale, 20, 30 years from now, or even right now, immediate, the impact is a reminder to everyone that no one has it together. No one's houses are perfect. We all have very similar experiences as children, as parents, as siblings, as um, as grandparents. Like, it's all about the human experience at the end of the day. Um, and there's so much pressure out there to be the perfect mom for women, to be the perfect yeah. mom, to be the perfect wife, to be the perfect sister, to be the perfect business owner, have all their shit together. And it's real. I think this is also incredibly damaging, oh, not yeah. just to individuals, but to a society. Oh, yeah. It is isolating us. It is pinning people against one another. It is making people feel lonely. Um, I think people are more depressed than ever before because they feel like they have to keep up with a facade that everyone else is putting out there that isn't reality or true. Um, and it's very sad. And occasionally I find myself falling into that. I'm like, no, 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 Kirsten, this is bullshit. Now admit that like you dropped your kid down the stairs, like (laughs) (laughs) continue to keep it real. Right. Like, yeah. We need to learn that it's okay to be vulnerable so that we feel less alone because the more vulnerable you are, other people will will then come out and show, oh my God, I've been there. Yeah. I, I, you know, I feel the same way you do. But when you don't share any sort of vulnerability or any sort of imperfection, and you're only trying to show like what is pristine, that is a very lonely place to exist in. Oh, yeah. And I think it holds you back from being able to create your best work, not just like photography work. I'm talking about like life's work. Like if you, I I see so many people and myself included, I've felt like, oh, I'm not ready to do that because it isn't right yet. And uh, it's taken sort of like I'm 46. So it's taken to this point of being in my mid forties to be able to be like, ah, fuck it. If it's not, it doesn't need to look perfect it doesn't need to fit fit the boxes for everybody it just has to be mine and I'm just gonna do it and whoever it appeals to it will appeal to and if people it doesn't appeal to some people oh well it's okay they're not my people yeah I agree I have my daughter because I was open on social media about having all my miscarriages I really believe it's because of social media because yeah. I put it out there and I was like I don't know what to do I just had my fifth miscarriage and I, I've tried everything they're not about to do all this invasive infertility stuff has anyone out there experienced this and what was amazing is I had like 20 or 30 people respond privately yes. they didn't even want to do it publicly yeah. like hey I'm going to shoot you a PM they don't even want to like put that out there but they kept saying, all these people were like, try baby aspirin. Try Like, literally, like, 20 or 30 people told me to try baby aspirin. So I did. Next time I got a positive pregnancy test, I immediately started baby aspirin. And I took it until the day she was born, and she's here. Yeah. Amazing. And that's, I really believe it's because of crowdsourcing. 
You crowdsourced my baby, everybody. Like, <laughs> breaking news. I crowdsourced my baby. But it's true. Thank right. God I put it out there. Yep. The Dodgers were going to do all this other shit. Yeah. Everything else that would have cost so much money, it wouldn't have warranted a baby. And I did what, what was suggested, and there I go. And I had a baby. Yeah. That's awesome. So. I didn't know that. Yeah. Yeah. It's what else could be crowdsourced? <laughs> I, I it's like, it's so funny because recently, I think social media is so, like, right now, we've gotten, not me, but lots of people have gotten so perfect on there. They're just like, everything's perfect. Everything's got to look perfect. The color, the the feed needs to look a certain way. Everything has to be perfect. They have to have their hair and makeup done when they talk, you know, all that. And oh, uh, <laughs> it's like, oh, it's, that isn't me. That's not me. Yeah, I'm really <laughs> not good at that. But um, it's so funny because I've started to share these like little silly things of things that have, that I've done right, including like this week I shared uh, that I have perfected the soft boiled egg. And <laughs> I mean, wait, wait, real okay, quick. This real totally quick. has nothing to do with anything, but I want to know what your perfection okay, is. I, I'll uh, tell you, I'll tell you in a second. And you know what happened is like, I have never had so many DMs in my life. <laughs> <laughs> I had so many pic- people sending me pictures of their perfect soft boiled egg. And oh my like, God, that's amazing. And like, oh, and um, Lady Lades, you know, from Australia, Aleda, I'm sure I'm saying her name wrong, Maga. Uh-huh. From, she she was like, okay, I need your help. And she like walked her through it. And then she's like, ah, thank you, sensei. <laughs> oh my God, that is amazing. And so oh this God, is what I do. I just put like two inches of water in the pot. Oh. Yeah, just a little bit of water. You get it boiling. And then you put the egg straight from the fridge into the boiling water. You turn it down a bit so, the wa- so that it doesn't crack. Because it'll yes. crack if it's too hot. But you still want it to be boiling. You put the lid on so you're kind of steaming the egg. You only leave the egg. It's so good. You leave the egg in there for six minutes. No more, no less. You set the timer, six minutes. As soon as it's done, you drain it, and then you give it a nice bath. Yes. And um, I make toast and coffee while that's happening. And then I drain it, and I can peel it and put it on my toast, and it's perfect. It's like my favorite breakfast in the morning. And... I got a ridiculous amount of engagement <laughs> because I shared my silly, like, this is how I make a soft boiled egg. And I, and it just like made me think people are just wanting to talk about real shit. They're tired of the fake stuff. Well, Dana, I believe that this um, small piece of information is the most valuable thing from this podcast. <laughs> <before>. so. <laughs> Isn't that funny? It's so funny, but it's like sometimes little things like that just make my life so happy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I also do six minutes, but I always submerge it in boiling water. And you say just like a couple of inches because I'm never guaranteed. I hate when either you open it and it's like, fuck, it's too cooked, right? Like oh, I hate the worst that. it's overcooked, right? Yeah. Or then it's a little too undercooked and then it's way too slimy for me. Ah. But I'm going to, if I'm like, Oh, I overcooked it. So now I'm going to try it at like five minutes. And then I'm like, that, that doesn't work, but I'm going to try the two inches of water this time try and that. covering it because yeah. I don't cover it. Yeah. Try that. And then what it's, I've read, I read, and it was sort of like everybody was reading was saying between five and a half and six and a half minutes, but I started at six and a half and it was like too cooked for me. It didn't yeah. run. I want it to run. I want it to run. Like yes. that's the whole point. 
Yes. And so I moved it to six and I'm like, yeah, perfect. Okay. I have it written down. So, <laughs> okay. <laughs> I know this is important <laughs> stuff, important stuff. Okay. <laughs> but, um, thank you so much, Kirsten, for coming You're on welcome, and chatting Dana. with us. This has been really great. I think lots of people will love it.